Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. All right. Well, good morning, Compass. I'm so glad to see you all today. Happy Easter. Uh, Man, I got to tell you, it's not only Easter, but it's like one of those special church days. Uh, I put on jeans for you today. Okay, so I'm not wearing sweatpants. That's how special a day this is. So welcome. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Hey, did, uh, did anybody get a visit from the Easter Bunny last night? Anybody get any uh, chocolate, any eggs, any uh, that little plastic grass that's going to haunt your dreams for the next two months? Anybody? So I, I love Easter, and I love that the Easter money comes and delivers stuff for, for all the kids. Uh, but I also love those videos of kids who are scared of the Easter money. And I just wanted to share some of those with you this morning. <laughs> Emma, look behind you. Easter Bunny. That's the Easter Bunny. Look at the Easter Bunny. I love that. I could watch that. Straight up all day. I'm going to share with you my absolute favorite one, though. This one, this is timeless. Like, someday, aliens are going to take over the Earth 10,000 years from now, and they're going to open up a time capsule that was buried, and this is what they're going to find. It's so great. Coming to see you all tonight. The Easter Bunny. Yep. Look at your pretty eggs. No, don't bother them yet. They're still drying. So some kids can totally get down with the Easter Bunny. Like, they're like, I can do this. I, I'm with this guy. But then there's other kids who just, just no, just flat no. Some kids are totally skeptical of the Easter Bunny. Okay, they are Easter Bunny skeptics. And the reason is, is that for them, the Easter Bunny does not make sense. Okay, the Easter Bunny makes no sense. Let me, let me kind of explain. Okay, so this right here, this is what a bunny looks like. Okay, this is what kids know a bunny to be. Now this is what the Easter Bunny looks like. Okay, can you see the disconnect between the two of those? See, the Easter Bunny doesn't make sense to kids with what we know about the real world, okay? Because in the real world, Bunny is little, it's fluffy, it's sweet, it's running around, and the Easter Bunny is big and terrifying. And as a result, as a result of the fact that the Easter Bunny doesn't make sense with what we know about real world bunnies, some kids just can't suspend their disbelief, and they are Easter Bunny skeptics. And that's why today, like if I had to title this message, today is entitled Easter for Skeptics. Now, I actually worked on like a fly-in, you know, thing, video thing to kind of swoop in and say Easter for Skeptics, and I couldn't make it work. But just close your eyes and imagine that. Now open your eyes back up and listen. Okay, so Easter for Skeptics is what we're talking about today. Because in the same way that there's some kids who are skeptics of the Easter Bunny, because the Easter Bunny doesn't make sense to what they know about real-world bunnies, 
there are people who are skeptical of Jesus. You might be watching today and you are skeptical of Jesus. And I don't know if you ended up on our live stream because your mom or grandma or somebody, you know, dragged you to online church today because you need to shelter in place and you couldn't come to a building. But, but you might be here and you might be a Jesus skeptic. And Easter is, is the time of year where we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But for many people, that just does not make sense with what they know about the real world. And, and because it doesn't make, someone raising from the dead doesn't make sense with what we know about the real world, they can't suspend their disbelief on that and they become skeptics. What's interesting about this though is that Jesus' closest followers and the people who basically started the church 2,000 years ago in the first century, they were skeptics too. Check this out in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. It says that after Jesus rose from the dead, early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping, and she told them what happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe what, they, what she had told her. So here's what's going on. Mary Magdalene, she sees Jesus risen from the dead. She sees the empty tomb and she runs to the disciples. She's like, guys, you're not going to believe what happened. It's empty. And they were like, no, that's crazy. That doesn't make sense. People don't raise from the dead. Jesus's closest disciples were skeptics right at the very beginning. You see, because after Jesus died, his closest followers, they, they didn't believe in him anymore because there was nothing to believe in. Jesus was dead. You can't, you can't believe in, in a dead teacher, a dead leader. There's nothing to follow there anymore. But something happened that changed all of that. Something happened that took these, these guys who were skeptics, and, and it took this movement that had died with Jesus, and it reignited it. And, and to discover that, and to really talk about Easter for skeptics, we need to look at Peter, who was one of Jesus's closest disciples and one of Jesus's closest friends. And, and Peter was one of these guys who went from a skeptic to someone who, who did everything he could to work to convince skeptics. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of background on, on the story we're going to be looking at today. So about five weeks after Jesus died... And after Jesus rose from the dead, if you're a skeptic, just roll with me on this. Okay, this is the story. But, but about five weeks after that, Peter and the disciples and about 120 people or so were gathered together in this, this upper room in, in Jerusalem, and they were, they were praying and just asking God to give them some direction, some guidance. And as they were praying, this crazy wind started to blow through the room, and it was swirling their hair and swirling their clothes. And then these like flames started to appear over people's heads. And then they started to speak in other languages that they didn't know how to speak, but that the people who were outside in the courtyard where they were could hear and understand. And the people who were out there, who were from foreign lands, they, they heard them talking in their home language about Jesus. Now, okay, for a minute, for your skeptics, okay, this is weird. I know that this is, this is like super weird, and I know that you are a skeptic, and you're like, Chris, this is not helping your case. Okay, so just do me a favor, take all that and plop that aside for now, okay? But this is this sets the background for what happens next, okay? So people are gathered around and they're like, what the heck is going on? And so as all these people are gathered to see what's happening, Peter senses an opportunity and he takes it to talk to the crowd. And this is what Peter says in Acts chapter 22. He says, people of Israel, listen, 
God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles. He did wonders and signs through him, as you well know. So Peter gets up and he's like, listen, guys, this is about Jesus. And this is about the Jesus. You, you heard all about these miracles he did. You heard that he healed people. You've heard that he cast out demons, that God did all of this stuff through him. And Peter's like, I'm going to tell you about that man. And maybe you are here, like people in that crowd, and you're like, well, I mean, I heard about that. I heard about these miracles. I heard about these signs and wonders, but I mean, that's, that's not proof. Okay, that's not a reason I should follow Jesus. Because I mean, I've seen some pretty great magicians. You know, I've, I've seen some people do some pretty sweet magic tricks. And, you know, I will probably say that if there are people who were better after Jesus, you know, touched them or prayed for them or whatever, that it was probably psychosomatic. Because, I mean, there's the human mind is a powerful thing. And so, like, yeah, I mean, I've heard about these signs and wonders. And, and, but, you know, I'm, I'm still not down with this enough to be, become a follower of Jesus. You see, 2,000 years ago, people heard about all of this stuff that Peter was just talking about, and they still didn't follow Jesus. They heard about his amazing teaching, and they didn't follow him. They heard about his miracles, and they didn't follow him. And so, if you're a skeptic on all of this stuff, you aren't alone. And you, you aren't even alone back then where you might have considered it a little bit more of a superstitious and religious time, okay? So if you're a skeptic on the miracles and all that stuff, you're not alone. Peter continues, he says this. He says, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. So I don't know that Peter is helping his case here because he's just laid out even more proof that Jesus isn't worth following, particularly to the religious Jews of the time, right? Because they were looking to Jesus to be the Messiah. But when Jesus died, their dreams of him being the Messiah went up in smoke with him. Because the Jewish Messiah is going to come and he's going to set up a new Jewish kingdom, a, a real nation. It's going to overthrow Rome that's, that's taken over at the time. And he's going to lead the Jewish people. And ultimately, here's the thing, the Jewish Messiah won't die. And so when Peter says that you killed him, the skeptics in the crowd are like, okay, even more reason not to follow this guy. And these were religious skeptics. But then Peter continues. He says, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. Okay, sure. So anyone can say anything and people will believe it. Like, and we know this is true because we live in a social media generation. Okay, this is a phenomenon that still exists. And all you have to do is check Facebook or Reddit. And you can know that it's true that anyone can say anything. And someone will believe it. You see, it's super easy to share something with just the push of a button. But just because you say something doesn't mean that it's true. And the skeptics in the crowd who were listening to Peter and, and for you, you know, sitting here talking to me right now, as a skeptic, you might be thinking the same thing. Yeah, you can say that all day. Peter can say that then, but just because he says it, it doesn't make it, make it true. What's interesting is that Peter actually knew this because he thought the same thing when Mary came and told him that Jesus was raised from the dead because Peter didn't believe it. And then Peter does something. He says something here, says something next, okay, that that takes his claims of a risen Jesus, that takes the claims that Jesus had, had risen from the dead 
and it takes it from something that just someone, that anyone could just say, and it moves it into something that can be tested and proven. And this is what Peter says. He continues and he says this, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses. Peter's standing in front of the thousands of people in that crowd. He just told them, I'm telling you about Jesus who did miracles, who did all the stuff and people like whatever. And he's like, and then Jesus died. And then the religious Jews are like, well, whatever. He's clearly not the Messiah. And then Peter's like, he rose from the dead. And people are like, okay, here we go. And then Peter says this, he says, and we saw it. We witnessed this. We are first hand witnesses. Okay. This happened and you can test us on this. Now, this is a pretty powerful statement because um, according to Jewish law back then, all it took were two witnesses uh, to something to provide the conclusive proof that it was true. Now, a side note on this, Jewish law said it took two witnesses to, to prove something was true. Those two witnesses had to be men because a woman's testimony couldn't be trusted, which again speaks to when Mary told the disciples about how Jesus was risen from the dead. Uh, one of the reasons in this culture even that they were so skeptical of it. But in Jewish culture, two witnesses meant that something was true. But here's the thing. Forget two witnesses, forget three witnesses, forget 12 witnesses. When it comes to Jesus being risen from the dead, there were hundreds of witnesses. And Peter's like, God, he's like, listen, there are hundreds of us who saw this and bore witness to this. We are all firsthand witnesses. Look at how the apostle Paul, who is one of the earliest church planters of the time, look at how he puts it. He says this, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. And it's this, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. So Paul's like, this person saw him, this person saw him, this, and it's just more and more people, more and more people. And then he continues. He says, after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And I love when Paul says this because he basically, he's saying, he's saying, Go find them. Look us up. Hit us up on Facebook. We are here. We can tell you what we saw. And you can take our testimony and you can take our stories and you can weigh them against each other and you can test what Jack says against what Jill says and you can put all the pieces together and you can see for yourself that what we saw was true. And then Paul says this, and then he was seen by James, who was Jesus's brother, and later all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul's like, all these people saw him. And then at the very end, I saw him. At a minimum, this, check this out, at a minimum, according to Paul, 514 people saw Jesus alive before Peter got up and spoke to this crowd about the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. And Paul's like, most of these 514 people are alive. Go ask them get their stories, check them against each other, investigate this. It's okay because our witness testimony, the 514 of us, our witness testimony can hold up against any questioning because this is true. This is true. And look at what happens. Peter, Peter puts this message out to the thousands of people who've come to gather to just see what the heck is going on. And he tells them about Jesus and he tells them Jesus died and, and raised from the dead. And he tells them that we here, saw this. We are firsthand witnesses. And look what happened. It says that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church 
that day about 3,000 people in all. So maybe you didn't know this about the first century church, okay? You thought the message was this, that it was just that Jesus died and that Jesus rose from the dead. But that's not totally accurate. See, the message of the first century church was this. It was that Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and we saw it. Jesus died, we saw it. He rose from the dead, we saw it. We witnessed these things. And, and follow me in this, okay? Skeptics, roll with me. I want you to hear me out. Okay, so I'm going to run through a bunch of verses. The slides aren't going to pop up on the screen here, but I just want you to hear me out. I'm going to show you a couple, some examples uh, from the book of Acts, which is the story of the first century church, about what they talked about and, the, and what they said. Acts 3.15 says this, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Acts 4.20, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Acts 5.32, we are witnesses of these things. Acts 10.41, we were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now that's an escalation right there, right? That's not just we saw him, but it's like, no, we hung out. We had, you know, nachos together. We ate with him after he rose from the dead. Acts 13.30 says this, but God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. Skeptics, you may be iffy on all of this because you are skeptical and you're, maybe you're iffy on all of the religious and the supernatural stuff. And I understand that because that stuff, when weighed against what we know about the real world, it can be hard to balance those things out. But there is one thing that you can't be skeptical of. There's one thing that I know that you, that you can believe, and that's this. You can believe in human nature. Okay, and let me tell you about human nature. The people who believed that Jesus rose from the dead, the people who believed this and kept preaching about it and telling, telling other people all around the ancient world about Jesus, they were harshly persecuted. They were I mean, and this is history, okay? They were arrested. They were imprisoned. They were beaten. They, were, they lost all of their possessions. This is historical fact that in the first century, the first century Christians were, were harshly persecuted. They were tortured. They were killed for what they believed in. This is crazy. They were used as human torches by Nero, the Roman emperor. Again, this is history. And I want you as a skeptic to ask yourself this question about human nature, okay? Ask yourself this. If you made up a religion to profit from it, would you be willing to die for your own lie? Would you? If you made up a religion to profit from it, or for, for any reason that, that wasn't true, would you be willing to die for a lie that you made up? Would you put your family and your children at risk? These people confessed Jesus's resurrection, that they bore witness to it, to their deaths, to their own crucifixions, to their own torture. And if you made that up, would you be willing to die for that lie? Would you be willing to put your family at risk to die for that lie? What is it? Would human nature allow that? And here's a second question uh, as a skeptic to ask about this. Is it possible that a religious conspiracy that includes hundreds of people telling the same lie is it possible that that conspiracy could survive without a, a small percentage of those people copying to that lie and admitting that it wasn't true? 
I mean, what conspiracy can survive that when it spreads to that many people? And the fact is, is that, is that in the first century, the stories of the people who bore witness to a risen Christ, they held up under the harshest interrogation. They held up under the harshest investigation, enough that thousands and thousands of people who had never seen Jesus believed in him too, because they saw in, in the lives of the people who had seen this risen Christ, they saw the change that had happened in his life. It was so powerful that even though they hadn't even seen Jesus themselves, that they wanted to give their lives to something bigger, to something better. You see, Christianity is not, it's not based on a collection of religious writings that you have to suspend belief to accept, okay? Skeptic, hear me out. That's not what Christianity is. You don't have to suspend belief on, you know, a religious document in order to, to accept this. It's not based on one man's moral principles or, you know, the moral teachings of Jesus. It's, it's not based on those things. That's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is this. It is completely based on the fact that a historical Jesus died and that he rose from the dead and that people saw him. And then all of the moral teachings, all of the religious writings, all of that stuff is worthless without the resurrection of Jesus. But if Jesus really did rise from the dead, that changes everything else. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, if Jesus, if Jesus could predict his own death, if he could die and then be raised from the dead, and it happens, then everything else that he said and did must be worth listening to and must be worth exploring. So here's, here's the thing about Easter for Christians. Easter for Christians is this. It's, it's those whose lives have been changed by Jesus who celebrate what we now know to be true. That's Easter for us as followers of Jesus. But Easter for skeptics, for you, I want you to, to take these things to heart. I want you to think about it, okay? Like a good skeptic would, weigh the facts and weigh the information. Is it possible that you haven't wrestled with the idea that Jesus rose from the dead because you just assumed that it was a myth on par with the Easter bunny? Is it possible that you haven't wrestled with the fact that maybe Jesus rose from the dead because you thought it was a fairy tale right out of the gate? And is it possible that the historical evidence and that the weight of human nature and that the weight of those people, of the hundreds and the thousands of people who are willing to give their lives for something that they knew and believed to be true, that Jesus rose from the dead, is it is it possible that those things point to the fact that it's more likely that Jesus rose from the dead than that he didn't? And here's the thing. If Jesus' resurrection is on the table, what does that mean then about everything else that he taught? So Easter for skeptics, for you, I would encourage you to let this be a day where you wrestle with and you think about the fact that there were real people who saw a real man and they followed him. And that real man died. And that real man rose from the dead. And these other real people saw him and they bore witness to that fact. And these real people were willing to sacrifice everything, historical fact. They were willing to give up everything to their own lives for this truth that they believed that Jesus had risen from the dead 
to save them because he loved them and because he loved you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for those of us who are, who are Christians, who this means everything for us. And I thank you, Lord, that this, for the skeptics who are with us today. And I just pray, God, that for each and every single one of us, that you would give us a deeper understanding of what it means that you died and rose to life for us. And I pray, God, that as, as we think on this today and as we celebrate this today, God, I pray that you would transform hearts and transform lives the way that you want to. It's the reason you came, it's the reason you died, and it's the reason you rose to life so that you could give us a new life, a new heart, a new relationship with God, set free from the burden of our own shame and guilt and sin and free without condemnation to completely be loved and love God. Thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.